morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today is Sunday, so in this edition we're exploring faith. And for many of you who have watched me for a while now, you realize that my background has changed. And that is perhaps because I'm at home, casting from home this morning. Because it just happened that way. <laughs> change it up a little bit. Change it up a little bit. And that's okay. It's okay. We're not in our studio this morning. But it's okay sometimes to broadcast from home as we change it up a bit. Today is... February 28th, 2021. It's the last day of February, which means we're almost at the end of the first quarter. I don't know how, how can any of us uh, forget that. Like, how did that happen, y'all? We're almost at the end of the first quarter of 2021. And I don't know about you. There are some things that I am grateful for this year. And one of them is that I don't ever have to worry anymore about waking up and wondering what direction the country is in. We have a country. Is everything going to work for our good? Is it going to, is it, is the, is, you know, is the president still the same? Did the president change the constitution overnight? As you look around the world and see what's happening in Myanmar, and you realize that just recently they had a democratic process and a democratic system of government, but the military was too strong. And so the military leaders decided that they want control. So they took over. And now Myanmar is under control of the military, overturning the democratic system of government, overturning the democratic processes that the people have become accustomed to in the last several years. And suddenly the military are in charge. It's just a group of power-hungry heathens. And when I say heathens, understand me very clearly. They don't believe in God because God empowers people. That's the system. So they want ultimate control of human beings. I don't know who this is for, but I never understand why some people just are endued with power and just want power over others. You know, the total absolute control of people and people's systems, but what they really want is power. I'm so grateful that I don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm even sleeping better. As you can tell, my eyes are not as looking troubled anymore. The, the aging is lifting off all of us. Typically, it's the president who ages, but in the last four years, it was the people who aged. He aged us as we continued to worry about what this would mean. You couldn't have been over 35 and not worry about the future. Even people who were 18 were worried about the future. Even the 14-year-olds on TikTok were worried, would they have a country to inherit? And this is why all of us must get involved in the democratic process. You must make your voices heard. It's not enough to sit back when it's not going good. When one group of people want to exert their will over others, that's called supremacy, and that's power-hungry. This man came in and he wanted power because he, he wasn't running anything. He didn't do anything for four years, but he just wanted power. And the people who followed him, followed him blindly. He created a cult of personality. That's why his followers, that's why the politicians in, in Washington love him. You know why? He makes their job easier. They don't actually have to work in their constituency. 
they became lackadaisical and lazy. They don't have to work at keeping the people's votes. All they have to do is stand up and say, I love Trump, I support Trump, and the people just fall blindly in line. That's why the politicians loved him. He made their job easier. Okay, so Trump wants to do some stuff that I may not be comfortable with, but if the people like it, I'm going to go along with it because, hey, it means I stay elected. That's how they were looking at it. And before you knew it, we would have fallen trapped into a system where the military would have to say, wait a minute, we may have to come in and restore some order. Then that would overturn the Constitution. So we need to be mindful of these things, that freedom is not free. That's a mistaken analysis. Freedom is never free. Your freedom was bought at a price. No freedom is ever free. Anybody who ever told you that, that's a lie. Freedom is never free. If you had to get a divorce from an abusive partner or if you had to get out from under a system, that's you paid a price for it. So freedom is never free. Even our own salvation, our own opportunities to think is not free. 250 years ago, it cost the United States to separate itself from a global power and to consider self-rule and had to create a system of government to control the economy and control the people so it would work for the good of everyone. It took over 250 years. We're still fine-tuning it. Every now and then, we run into another guy who feels like he should be in control and subvert the, the peaceful transfer. You see what I'm saying? So it's working for our good. It is working. It doesn't always look like it, but it is. Like right now, it's not looking like it. There's still people who are unemployed. 759,000 people filed for unemployment. There are still people who still have not, who are still under an eviction moratorium. There are still people, even now in Texas, who I don't know if they have gotten all drinking water restored. Safe drinking water. Safe running water in Texas. One of the richest states in the country. With a GDP of humongous assets. And you can't restore safe drinking water. Something is wrong with your process. Sometimes the process becomes so convoluted, you can't separate the processes because it becomes so inextricably wound up in power and one person having power. Do you see what I'm saying? But we got to get to the stage. I'm so glad that I can finally think that it's working for my good. We may not have gotten stimulus checks yet. The jury's still out on that one. If the House passed it, it's up to the Senate now. The Republicans are still fighting. Why? Because it was one of Joe Biden's campaign promises. So they're still fighting it. Why? Because they're obstructionists. They do nothing but obstruct peaceful democratic processes. The Republicans, I can't get involved in it because it's almost as if they hate America and they hate the people who live here. That's how they act. The only people they care about are themselves. And when I say themselves, I'm talking about them and their family members. Because when the crisis happened in Texas, all Republican leaders took off and went somewhere else and left the people. So they don't care about the people. Don't get, don't get any ideas. But I have to believe it's all working for our good. People need a $15 minimum wage. The Congress is fighting. The, the Republicans are fighting against it. They're not fighting against it because it's a bad thing. They're fighting against it because it's a good thing. 
some businesses are saying, well, if I have to pay $15 minimum wage, I wouldn't stay in business. Well, maybe you need to re-examine your business model. Maybe you shouldn't be in business at all. Are we cutting off capitalism? Well, we need to go back to the table and redraw what capitalism looks like. Capitalism is every man for himself. So if you can't pay $15 an hour for 40 hours a week, then you need to re-examine your business model. Maybe you don't need to have people there for 40 hours a week. Maybe you only need to have someone for 10 hours a week. <laughs> and you get in and do some of the work. Some people think that having a business means somebody else does the work. No, you get in and do the work and build your business. And then the people will come. So we don't know. So as people look at this, they're like, well, how am I going to survive? How am I going to recover? This very morning while you and I can sit down and eat breakfast, have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, whatever you feel like having, whatever is your morning routine process, you have your heat on, you have the ability to turn a switch and the light comes on. You can even find yourself going to the bathroom and turning a tap on and get water coming out of there that you don't have to worry about. You can brush your teeth in solitude, use the bathroom without other people lining up behind you. You have to sit back and give God thanks for that alone. I know people think, well, that's my own agency. That's my own autonomy that produced that. But let me just remind you of something. The people in Myanmar woke up a month ago and they had a democratic process in. And that democratic process they expected to continue as long as the people could vote. Then the military stepped in and cut, imprisoned all of their democratic leaders. You have to give God thanks that the same thing didn't happen here on January 6th. But we have to believe that even as we struggle through this next system and this next process of our democracy, we have to believe that it's working for our good. The children are still contemplating going back to school. And we're worried about it. Of course we are. We're sending our kids back to school. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if the virus is at, at last sedated or seceded because it has achieved a certain level of infection rate. Perhaps that is the case, we're not sure. But what we do know is that we are going to have to trust God in sending our children back to school. I know that it's a first-hand struggle for me because I have a daughter in, who is a freshman in college. Perhaps uh, the schools will reopen enough. It's too late now for them to go back on campus because it's February into the second semester, into spring semester. So it's a moot point at this stage. But I'm looking to the fall in August. I'm gonna have to trust God that it's working for my good, that she can go back on a college campus with thousands of other people from all backgrounds to be on a college campus and possibly be exposed to some new variant of the virus, the struggle is real. I have to trust God every day that she goes out because she's young and you know young people, you can't keep them still. All of us as parents try to tell our children, don't go hanging out, don't mix with this, don't go gather, don't go to the clubs, don't hang out. I know they're on the ground clubs somewhere. They're all opening back now. So we have to trust God that it's working for our good because we can't keep our kids locked away forever. They're young. It's against their very nature, their very impulses. We have to trust God every time they walk through the door. 
that it's working for my good. Similarly, we're working for people. We have to trust God that they will have the money to pay us when the work is done. I'll not tell you after you've done all the work, like, sorry, I can't keep you, or sorry. And you have to go home and tell your family, I don't have a job. I don't know how we're going to keep our house. I heard a story of a man who lost his job during the pandemic and owed six months car notes, six months, all at the risk of losing his car and his home. I heard another story of a joker who gave Trump $150, but owes almost nine months of rent and his car note, but gave Trump $150. And you might say, but what could that $150 have done? He could have kept it for himself. Why are you going to give a rich man your money? <laughs> He's rich. This was after the elections and Trump was spouting all this lie stuff that he needed it to win cases in Pennsylvania. Trump understood that. Trump knew he wasn't going to win. He knew that. And he understood that. But you didn't. You bought into that lie. And you have to ask yourself, have you not lived in America all your life? Don't you know how the system works? Do you all need to go back to, 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 to eighth grade or seventh grade and get a civics lesson? Trump understood that. He took you for a ride and took your money knowing that he was never going to win because the system was just not structured that way. But it gave him an opportunity to continue taking your money and making free money for himself and his family. Do you need to trust God that it's working for your good? That's the jury's out on that one because God gave you common sense. In that regard, that's not trusting God. That's you not using your God-given common sense to understand and discern when someone is taking you for a ride. It's like watching these Christian TV shows where there's this guy from Texas. He's always, for the last 30 years, every single episode he's always digging a well in Africa or Indonesia always having some little African kids and some little Ind Indonesian children running around in pools of dirty slimy green dirty water we know that <coughs> we who live in this part of the world it's unimaginable to imagine people using that kind of water until we saw what happened in Texas so we realize that it's as a result of public policy that these things happen or lack of public policy. But this man continues to perpetuate the myth to tell people that any money that you give to him is helping him provide drinking water for some people and some children who are drinking out of dirty wells. Dirty water that even the kids who are going in it are like looking squeamish like, do I have to really touch that? He's taking you for a ride. It's a lie. He just set that up. He goes over there, pays some people some money, and set it up to film it. And it always looks like what? The white people are coming in as the messianic saviors to save these little Africans and these little Indonesians who don't know any better. I wonder sometimes who is going to stop that. And that's not a, 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 a situation where you can say, well, you know, these things... It happened in Texas because it was a failure of public policy. The difference is the United States has the ability to recover. We're in recovery mode right now. We went through a pandemic. We went through it because we had a failed leader who refused to take the steps necessary to curb the spread of the virus. 
he just let it hang out because he thought it would be for political gain. He thought that if some of the people who were being afflicted by the virus died out, then there would be less voters. This is why he perpetuates this myth of the election being stolen because he has to. He can't comprehend that, man, these, all these people still came out of vote. I thought they all died out from Corona. He allowed the virus not understanding the ramifications and the implications. That if people get sick and the public health system says you have to curb people gathering, then it's going to inhibit the flow of business. Are we in a capitalist society? Is he a capitalist? He should have been. He's in hospitality, so he should have understood it. He should have been the first one to say, hold up, we're going to stop for two weeks. Everybody stop for two weeks, wear a mask, don't do anything for two weeks, don't go out, we send you some money, stay home. It would have worked. But he allowed it to proliferate to the detriment of all of us. Over half a million people have died. I know this morning that you're awake and you're looking at it and you're like, but Harriet, my mom died. My father died. My husband died. He was my everything. My wife died. She was my everything. I lost my child. I lost my best friend. I lost my neighbor. I lost my cousin. I lost my worker friend. I lost my doctor. I lost my nurse. I lost somebody who was the world to me. And you say to me, how can you tell me that it's working for my good? I can tell you because I've been there. In spite of all the losses, listen to me very carefully. Look at me. Look at me. Stop. Don't surf. Don't pick up the phone. Don't surf. Don't look at you the next update. Listen to me. You are listening to somebody who has survived the worst of it. It is working for your good. Here is how it is working. Your good does not mean that you are going to forget about the person who died or you're going to forget the loss. Your good does not mean that you are forgetting it. It just means in spite of the loss, you are still alive. You are still breathing. You still have your mental capacities. You can still think. And if you can think, you can live. You can plan. You can strategize. You lost your business. I get it. My shelter shut down for two years because of someone's jealousy. Because somebody else who had the power, who should have had the power and made sure the power continued, that person decided to obstruct and to stop. Do you know what happened to them? Guess what happened to them? Good morning, Brother Fuge. Guess what happened to them? They got stopped. Ended up in an accident. Ended up being uh, on, you know, confined. Ended up being without, cannot walk properly. Why? Because they obstructed. You got to be careful of that. It worked. It worked for my good because in those two years, I had to come back to broadcasting. I had to come back to build the other part of me that was just as important. In those two years, I had to regroup. I was in grief. I had lost my mother. In losing my mother, I lost all familiar contact with everybody who was connected to her. It was a very painful time. It was a very distressing time. I had one child about to matriculate through high school to college. My oldest child was matriculating from law school into, into adulthood. It, a lot of change was just going on. You could literally just see the switch, the, the roles were switching. Stuff was going on. My money disappeared because of this person 
who obstructed and used their power against me. I could not wrap my mind around the concept of its working for my good. I was angry for a whole entire year from 2018 to 2019. I stayed angry. It took some time for me to say it really is working for my good. I said, finally, I said, okay, I'm angry enough. I've lost it. What do I do in the meantime? I was stuck. I couldn't believe it. I invested, took all the money I had and invested it and had to see somebody else out of pure unmitigated jealousy, determined that they were going to obstruct. Finally, I said, I'll leave it up to you, God. I said, Jesus, I'm laying this at your feet. I'll leave it up to you. You do this and you take complete control. I said, you do whatever, because I am done. And I've moved on and marched on. Eventually, the story came to me that they too had lost. They ended up in the news that they had lost, facing insurmountable challenges that not even a good lawyer can get you out of sometimes. It worked for my good. Finally, at the end of it all, they had to turn the property over to me for $1. Remember I told you I invested my money into it? Put my money into it to make it work? I founded a shelter to provide relief to women who are homeless as a result of human trafficking. I fixed it up. I went and told the whole community here in Detroit in Southeast Michigan that we had this to help get some of these folks off the streets if they choose to. Here comes somebody else getting jealous because it wasn't their idea, but because they owned the property and they had the property and I had leased it from them. They didn't fix it, everything fell apart. That same property, they turned it over to me a week ago for one dollar, it's two weeks now, one dollar. When I tell you that it's working for your good, believe me, all of the stuff in the interim that was 2018 to 2021, three years, three darned years, three years in which the first year was unbelievable. I thought I would have lost it. I could not believe it. Brother Fuge, trust me. When I tell you, my brother, when I tell you that I didn't think how in God's green earth I was going to make it out, I'd gotten to the stage of life when you can't work for anybody anymore. You're what is called unemployable. You can't work for anybody. They don't want you because of your age, down your experience. They tell you all kinds of stuff. I consulted and that dried up. The economy changed. Under Trump, everything had changed. If you weren't wide enough, nobody was giving you the way people were before. It changed under Trump. We're just now, possibly, we need another eight years to change this around and bring ourselves back to center. Bring ourselves back to some level of decency and some level of thinking of being humane. I'm hearing scary stories even about the immigrant visa application process that Trump revolutionized and overturned and changed for no other reason but to be cruel to others. The United States always existed under a system like that. What is the point in changing it just because you want to be mean? 
It's the most incredible thing. I don't, there's some things I will never understand. And so I watched as everything decimated and destroyed. I can't tell you how personal this was. I would probably break down and cry. It affected even my relationship with my children. How do you think it looked? They're like, mom, are you silly? Are you stupid? Mom, what did you do? You invested your money and now we have nothing. It worked for my good. I had to restart, re-engineer, look at my life as everything around me dried up. Couldn't pay the taxes on my house. Couldn't even barely fix my car to keep going. We had one car because I invested everything into the project. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me when I tell you that in 2018 it looked bleak? It looked like there was nothing left. We, frankly, I didn't know what was going to happen. I couldn't pay the taxes on my house. What if it went into foreclosure for tax foreclosure? Because you know they're rabid about that. I had to trust God every striking day for the remainder of 2018 into 2019 before we could see the road turned. And when it did, it turned rapidly, rapidly. It just shifted like there was a seismic shift and suddenly things turned around. Here we are. It's three years later. It's February of 2021. And they transferred that same property to me for $1. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Some things take time. And when God speaks to you and tell you that it takes time, just trust in the Lord. I know I know that it's hard to imagine and it's it's hard to think about, but it does happen. Right? It it, it does happen. I hear you, bro. Uh Brother Fuji is saying I definitely hear you. It it it, it happens. It takes some things are just a matter of process. Right now, I'm thinking of the folks in Texas. It could have been us. Believe me, you're not alone. The rest of us in all parts of the country are looking at our individual situations and asking ourselves, could something like that happen to us? I know that everybody went and bought a generator. I'm looking at them myself. I'm looking like, where am I gonna put it? I have to put it outside because you can't keep it inside. You know, you start looking at how can I improve my processes? Who else went and bought bottled water? I kid you not. I even got a a, a water cooler. You know, one of those electric ones that you plug in. <laughs> I kid you not. I, it, it went crazy there. I went to Costco and bought two cases of bottled water. Who else did that? I was, you know, the big cases. I had to say to myself, well, how, how is this going to get out of the vehicle into the house? <laughs> right? Who else went and bought stuff? We all did. Because we're all asking ourselves, how did the shelves, you look at the grocery store shelves, and there was no food there. Like, how did that happen? They ran out of everything. So where's the storage in the back? They ran out of that too. So the supply chains were interrupted because of the ice. So you, you do you see the breakdown in public policy? So they didn't salt the roads because they didn't deem it important because they're not driving on the roads because they drive under police escort all the time. So because they didn't salt the roads, no one could drive on the roads, including what? The people who uh, transport goods and services. So the people can't get to the hospital to work. 
see how short-sighted thinking that is? People can't transport food because the truckers can't drive because the highways are all an ice belt and they're an ice skating rink. The people can't get to the hospital. The people can't get to, to the, the very essential services. How stupid is that? That's stupidity. That's tunnel vision blindedness. That's self-centeredness. It's not going to affect me and mine, so I don't care. Glaringly showing how much they didn't care. So I know right now that there are folks in Texas who lived in apartment buildings and who suddenly find themselves without anything. Imagine that. You suddenly, you went in 24 hours from having a home to nothing. You have nowhere to live. You have to take showers in a public place. You have to use the bathroom in a public place. You have no job because you couldn't get to work. The job is closed down. They had no power. You don't have any phone service. Where are you going to charge your phone? I know that it's looking like it's over. You know what's the worst part? You look around you and you have mouths to feed. People who are dependent on you. And you are asking yourself, how, where is God? Might not seem like it, but God is right there in the midst. He's not blaming you. He's not saying it's your fault. So don't heap any blame on yourself because that's the first thing we do. And that's a good sign. It means what? You are thinking right. Because you know what's the next thing you're going to say? Say it. The next thing you're going to say is, how can I prevent this from happening again? So you look at it, not as the glass empty, but as the glass half full. You start going through the list of what you have. I still have life. I can still breathe. Let me find a way out of this. Drop your pride and say to yourself, there have got to be some social services that I can gain access to. I may have to crawl out of this barrel, but if crawling is what I have to do to get back to the top, I'm going to do it anyhow. And set your mind to crawling out of it. Like I tell you all the time, it may not happen when you want it, but he will show up right on time. That's what happened to me. I had to crawl out of the deepest, darkest depths of depression and anger and self aghastness that how could I have allowed this to happen to me? How did I get to be 50 and allow this to happen to me? How? And I had to stop beating up on myself and start recognizing that there were some things that I had no control over and that I didn't see the full impact of it. This is why I don't believe you need to live in a world where you're not aware. You need to be aware because when you are aware, you know what forces operate. So you know how to mitigate those forces. You make a plan for it not to happen. I tell everybody this, you all lived in apartment buildings. I know the systemic racism is bad. I know the way they set up. Do you know why we're having the mafia reemerge again? Because big banks took the money from the federal government in 2008, 2009. Remember that? And they took the money and they stopped lending money to small businesses. You do know that when small businesses borrow money from banks, it's 35% interest rate and 23% interest rate. Small businesses don't proliferate under this new banking system. So people are in business. They end up taking money from what we call non-traditional sources, AKA the mafia. 
aka people who are scoundrels, non-traditional lenders who are loan sharks and who are frankly predators. They take your money. As soon as you put money in the bank, they charge 114%. And under Trump, none of this was investigated because Trump was in bed with all of them. He and the Department of Justice, that was just his extension of the lawyers, totally destroyed the integrity of the Department of Justice. All they did was ignore what people were fighting against. So now you have a system where people can't buy a house. So they tell you, you don't, listen to this. You know why we're fighting for a $15 minimum wage? So at the very least, you make enough to do what? Say, qualify for a mortgage. You have people working two and three jobs and go to apply for a mortgage and they're turned down by traditional lenders. Non-traditional lenders would charge them what? 45% interest, 25% interest and increase the mortgage rate every month so it becomes what? Unaffordable. So they tell you that you don't qualify to pay a mortgage of $700 a month, $800 a month or $900 a month is extreme unless you're buying a house for over $250,000. But how do you qualify to pay $1,100 a month rent? How do you qualify to pay $1,500 a month? How do you qualify to pay rent of $1,700 a month? But you couldn't qualify to pay mortgage of $700. Do you see what I'm saying? That is the problem. That is the problem. That's systemic racism, but that's also hatred. That's also public policy. That's also economic policies that the government needs to look into. So the government says, well, I can't regulate the banking because that would be interfering in the capitalist system. But what I can do as the government is increase the minimum wage so more people can do what afford to buy a house. So you find all these folks living in apartments, struggling, working two and three jobs. Sometimes more than one families have to live together. They rent a house sometimes because it's better because then, you know, they really can't tell you how many people sleep there at night. And so you find people living there. You, you know, you have a house, a three bedroom house with one or one and a half bathrooms and you find 10 people sleeping there at night. Right. And then you lose the job. Where are you going to live now? So I'm saying to everybody, listen to me very carefully. If you live in Houston, Dallas wasn't so bad, but it was Southern Texas and mid, mid Texas that was affected by this. Anywhere you are living right now in the United States, go find yourself a house. You're getting a tax return. Go find yourself a house. Go buy a house in the hood. You're working. Take the money. All the money you're going to get from the FEMA stuff, don't go back to that apartment. Write it off. It's a debt. It's closed. Don't do that to yourself anymore. You have no control. When you live in apartment buildings, do you have control? Somebody plugs in a space heater and it burns down and you're homeless. Somebody next door leaves a pipe running or leaves their kid in the house. The kid runs the bathtub over and you're flooded out. If they can't put you in a house and qualify for you, for you to buy a house, what those very same lenders do and what those very same uh, mortgage companies do, they invest in apartment buildings because you got to live somewhere. Shut them down. Here's how you do that. You shut them down. Go buy a house in the hood. They devalue homes in black communities all over the country because of systemic racism, gerrymandering, and redlining. Go and buy yourself a house. 
slowly fix it up. At least you'll own it. Get the water turned on. Get the power turned on. At least now, that's yours. You remember when we were growing up and our, our ancestors used to tell us that always own land? Because at least you have something that is yours? Why have we forgotten that? In this fast-paced world, they're always showing you through sub, what I call subliminal advertising, right? Where they make suggestions on how you should live, conveying a concept that you have to subscribe to. And so they make suggestions that if you don't live in this house, you're not successful. If you don't live in this apartment, if you're going to live in an apartment, this is what it should like, should look like. So when you can't qualify for the mortgage, you go rent an apartment. That looks like the subliminal advertising you see on television. Whether it comes through sitcoms or Lifetime or whatever channels you watch, it still is the same idea conveyed. You don't re it's not direct like they're saying, this is what you should live like, but it's subliminal. So there you are <laughs> being influenced and you go and you invest in an apartment. So you get your tax returns and you go take all $3,500 of it and you go pay down a deposit to move into somewhere. You realize you could have used that same thing and go to a land bank in your city and buy a house and put something down and slowly fix it up. Every time you work, you pay a little. You, you even move in until it's fixed up. And I know you're gonna say about the crime. That's what they tell you. Look, the people who are committing crimes in neighborhoods all across the country are killing each other. If you're not buying their drugs and if you are not, you know, sitting on their corner selling something, they don't have anything to do with you. Find yourself in a neighborhood in the hood and buy a house, start there, fix it up. Eventually you'll become so autonomous that you can buy a bigger house and move out. And then you can rent that one out to someone else who is just starting off. But leave the rental apartments alone. Think about it. If you're paying $1,500 per month in rent, you have car note, insurance, utilities. Where are you getting money to save? And that's a question you're all saying. But Harriet, how do I do that? Take your tax return. Stop putting your money into somebody else's pocket. I went down to the city a couple weeks ago to pay taxes and ran into the uh, the treasurer for Wayne County, Michigan. And I had an interesting conversation with him, a very decent, honorable man. I was so impressed. I prayed for him because I asked him a big favor. I said, please do not evict anybody in Detroit. Don't do it, please. These folks have nowhere to go. They have no job with, they've been left behind by systemic racism. Please don't. He said something that was very interesting though, and it's something I'm hearing echoing from others. It's the commercial people they're after. Yeah, the people who own apartment buildings, take your money every month and don't pay taxes on it. So you don't even realize that there's a tax foreclosure over the apartment building you're living in. They don't pay city taxes, they don't pay county taxes, they don't pay nothing. But they take your money that you pay every month and you end up one day, a snowstorm comes. Something as simple as a snowstorm. We have snowstorms in Michigan, let's see, every month <laughs> when it is cold, <laughs> right? They take something as simple as a snowstorm and you find yourself homeless. 
And here you are, worried about it. So let me read this. So right after my house was built, I melted, I muted one of my best friends, invited one of my best friends over. And you know what he asked me? Where your big screen? Like, seriously? <laughs> he's asking you, you just bought a house, you just built a house. And he's worried about a big screen. Folks, we have the, our emphasis on the wrong things. Yeah, I have TVs in my house. Yes, I do. But I don't have a 70 screen inch giant TV, but I do have infrastructure. Do you see what I'm saying? It was more important to protect the house, the roof over my head than it is to go spend money on those things, right? Stop buying out Yeezys for 500 freaking dollars. This is the ugliest things I've ever seen. Stop buying those things. Yeah, I have Ugg boots, but I don't pay for them all at once, right? And I buy them because when once I buy them, I'm not going to buy it again. need to buy one again for another three years or four years. My daughter has a pair of Ugg boots from she was in the seventh grade, y'all. She's now a college freshman. Take that as you will. It was worth the $200 that I paid for it. Amen. <laughs> she wore it every day right up until her third year of high school in the winter in Michigan. Okay, it's worth it. But you have folks who, you get some money in your hand from your taxes. And you're going to go trade in a car and buy a car. Yo, what have I told you guys about buying a car? What have I told you? Go buy yourself a car that you own. Now, many of you are hiding from the repo man because you missed a car payment. Imagine what's going on in Texas. They got light bills that were astronomical. In addition to which, guess what? You still get a bill from the apartment complex. And you still get a bill from the insurance company and from your car company. And people are like, what am I going to do? It's working for you good. It's teaching us all a lesson. We blindly believed in public policy and politicians that they would do their job of protecting our interests. You learn something. They don't. I don't trust them. I know I don't trust the public system. No, it's not working for my good. So there are some things that I have to do. So I keep, I keep, I keep coal in my house. You know, the stuff that you put in the grill. I have two grills. I don't just have one. I'm t I tell myself, like, if something goes wrong, I can boil some water and I can, I can cook something on a grill. I ain't kidding you. You, when, when you live long enough, you begin to realize that some things you can't take for granted. Years ago, and I'm going to end with this. Years ago, I was living, I was like you. I lived in an apartment, in a fancy apartment building. My rent was $1,100 a month. Plus parking was $40. Car note, car insurance, utilities. You can well imagine. Barely could make even. And I was a single parent, so every striking thing my children needed, it was my responsibility. After a while, you start thinking. I was working as a healthcare consultant. I had a come to Jesus moment like you're having with me right now. It's called accountability. I had a client whom I went to see. And we started talking, you know, in, in business, it's all about relationships. So when you meet someone, you start establishing a commonality to see where your lives intersect 
and build relationships from there. We began talking. His experience as a scientist, he worked for one of these large uh, big pharma companies. He had some issues with a drug that they were pushing on people. And they wanted him to, uh, he was the scientist. He didn't like how the drug interacted. He made his uh, disclosures apparent and they did not like it because they're big pharma. They sent him to another state to live. So he had to commute and they made him become a salesman. They told him that you now go and tell uh, the doctors how to use the drug. They knew he couldn't do that, so he had to leave. So he became a free enterprise. It, it is my luck to run into him. He asked me this question. He said, where do you live? So I told him where I lived. He said, you live in an apartment building? So I said, yeah. He said, why? I said, because that's where I live. You know, that's what I afford, whatever. He said, you're wrong. He said, go get yourself a house. He said, what if something happens? Listen to this. He said, what if something happens? And there is, an, there is a national scene of crime. And the first place they're coming is an apartment building. He said, the very people who live in the same apartment building are going to turn on you because lawlessness will prevail. He said, where would you go? I was startled. I had never thought about that. He said, what if? He said, if you live in your own home, he said, at least here in Michigan, you have a basement. You can barricade yourself in your home. You can barricade your windows and doors. You can go in your basement. And he said, in your basement, you have places set up where you can cook, you can store your food, you can store extra supplies, and you can leave. He said, if you were to come to my house, he said, I have plants in my backyard. I have my basement set up so my family and I can leave. And he said this. This was in 2012. He said this, y'all. He said his wife and his family thinks he's crazy. Do you know it became a self-fulfilling prophecy? To all of us. I've never forgotten him. I've, I've, I, we fell out of touch. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is our self-fulfilling prophecy. This is our moment of accountability. We now have to tell ourselves and take comfort from Romans 8:28 that says, All things work together for my good. You're going to have to look at this whole situation and you're going to have to say in spite of systemic racism, in spite of public policy and the lacks thereof that have prevented me from owning my own home, that landed me in a place and in a space where I ended up being evicted, where I end up now being homeless on the streets, walking, don't know where my family is going to live. I am now going to have to start all over. It's gonna work for my good because here's how it's gonna work for my good. I'm never gonna put myself in the same space again. So you're gonna take the help from FEMA. You're going to take the help from all the social services around and you're gonna build back better. You're gonna build yourself back to the place where you own something. And when you own it, you're not going to let systemic racism and redlining make you feel bad for where you live, make you feel bad that this is all you can have. You know, at the end of the day, you are way better than your brothers and sisters who are paying high rent, not understanding what is coming around the corner. Brothers and sisters, we do not know what is coming. 
We have to trust God somehow that he's going to imbue us, impress upon us to make the best decisions and make the right decisions to prevent disaster from coming to us. We don't know for sure. Do you know for sure? I don't know for sure what will come. All I know is I got to make investment in the future. And here's how I do this by protecting myself. I don't give a care if you don't like where I live. I don't give a care if my address doesn't impress you. I'm not in the business of being impressed by you. I'm not in the business of you being impressed by me. But what I do know when I lay my head down at night, I own what I have. And I own it. Nobody can come knock on my door and tell me you got to get out because you didn't pay me any rent. Nobody can come and knock on my door and say, I'm going to turn the power. I'm going to turn what you better talk to me when you come to my door. That's the attitude you got to have. And you got to put yourself in that place. Come on now, people. We need to organize ourselves better. We need to come back to center. We need to start going back to what our ancestors taught us. They told us to be strong. They told us to stand on our own two feet. Don't depend on nobody. Where did we get this mentality that we have to depend on others outside of ourselves? Who are we to believe that some dude who we have never met is going to make the right decisions to empower you? Hell no, he won't do that. He is in the business for himself and his buddies whom they drink with at the country cup. Are you sitting at that table with them? No. Then if you are not sitting at that table, then you got to look out for yourself because they are in the business of looking out for themselves. The only person on your side is God Almighty through Jesus Christ. That's the only person you can be assured is saying, look, dude, it's working out for your good. Just look up here. Look up. I'm going to show you. I'm going to teach you. It was Harriet who was caught up in that. I looked up and God said, let me show you. Let me show you. Let me teach you. Let me show you how I'm going to turn it around. Let me show you how cling to me. Trust even when it's unstable beneath your feet. I told you my story. I went through three years of instability. I didn't know whether I was coming or going. Thank God for the word of God. That was in me. That made me hold on. Many of you saw me on down to earth. You didn't even know what was going on. I was barely holding on sometimes. I had to learn. To trust in the Lord. To lean not to my own understanding. In all my ways acknowledging. For all of you right now going through something. You lost the most important person. In the world to you. To COVID. Something that as a nation we're still reeling from. The un necessity of it the fact that it did not have to happen we're all reeling from the moms and the pops and grandmas the most important person your life your safety net but i am telling you it's working for your good because now you're going to learn to trust in the lord and you're going to learn to build back better i had to tell harriet We're going to build you back, Harriet. I said, I'm going to build myself back better. I'm not going to be dependent on anyone. What did it take? It took me losing a full-time job to understand that I had to be my own source of income. It took years and years of toiling and learning and strategizing and learning how to navigate systemic racism and how after a while I just spoke up against it because nothing else was working. 
I had to learn to stand on my own two feet. And if I eat, I eat, I learn to eat well. Build yourselves back. Build back better. If you're sitting in a shelter hearing this, if you're sitting on a bed somewhere, you have to sleep in somebody's house. Come on, I'm calling you out. You have the tools in you to build back better. You have the tools in you to survive. Build back better. Come back to center. Come back. Don't go to the edge of the precipice. We all did. I went to the edge of the precipice. I couldn't tell you how I made it. We all have slid down that road when we are like, you know what? It's just so over. I've lived long enough. Man, it's enough. No. Come back. Build back better. You're looking in the face of someone who has survived. I've been there where I didn't even feel like it was going to be anything. I kid you not. It looked like it was over. I told you all that woman. She owned the building. Dude, I invested my money in it. That was supposed to be my income to keep me and my family. I didn't have a husband. I didn't have anybody. My mother had died, so my safety net was gone. I had nothing. And here comes this woman whom I have a business relationship with. Just like you have a business relationship with your employer, with your bank, with a credit card company, with a car note company. You have a business relationship with with the apartment complex you live in and the person whom you lease the house from. And they pull up straps and exercise their power. Well, according to the lease, I can do this. According to the tenants and the contract that we signed, I can do that. Like you're not a person. I was a single mother with a child, with two children. The woman knew me and she still knew what she was doing. She's a single parent herself, but she felt that she was in a position of power. And she was immune to anything that could happen. I went to the signing when she decided to turn the property over to me. She had to turn it over because the force of God came against her. When I went to see her, I understood why she never wanted me to see her in the previous year. She was walking with a cane. She's four years younger than I am. Bent over, walking with a cane. Why? You have to deal with the stuff that comes to you. Now, I'm not telling you that's what's going to happen to Governor Abbott or Cruz or any of them politicians who messed up people's lives in Texas. But it is certain that what you sow is what you will reap. You sow good, then good will come to you. You sow sow bad, you cause people to live in stress and torment and being homeless without safe drinking water and have their children traumatized forever from the insecurity. You got to reap what you sow. But I know this one thing, the same God who delivered me, the same God who kept my mind so that I didn't lose my mind, so I didn't lose my sense of stability. The same God will come back and that same God will deliver you. He will put you in a better place, but he's going to use you. You are the oh, your own agent of deliverance, your mind. God is going to speak to you in your mind and show you and open. All you need to do right now is just say, Lord, help me every day. Just say, Lord, help me. God, help me. I'm begging you. Help Help me, oh God, help me. Call out and God will come and do the same thing for you. Even better, 
he will do even better for you than he did for me. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not one of those flaky Christians that you see running behind Trump and they're not Christians. They use that as a group. That's not me. I'm not one of those flaky people. I call it what it is. You're wrong as a politician. You're wrong. Whether you're a public figure or not, you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm not one of those flaky people who hate people by group and ethnicity and status. They're not even representative of what Christianity is, if you want to know the truth. Because Jesus Christ was all about love. (laughs) Okay? But I am real. And I'm here to tell you that having lived that gospel out, I can tell you that I know for sure that all things, all of this, all of this, all of it, the job loss, you come to retirement. Oh, I don't know who that is for. You come to retirement and all of a sudden you realize all the money you saved up is going to be spent on an illness. And you're not going to have anything. You, you, you went through, you're approaching retirement and you, you took out mortgages on your home to send your kids to college. And now you're going to retire. You get sick and you realize that the mortgage isn't paid off. What's going to happen? It's happening to people. Even as we speak. They took out two and three mortgages and the stress of life has made them sick. It manifests in other areas of your life. This is why I don't regret nothing I went through, y'all. You know why I don't regret it? I got three minutes. You know why I don't regret anything I went through? Why? I don't regret it because it taught me something about life. I learned not to stress. I learned to release some stuff and some stuff. I adjusted my expectation I grew up expecting that all the world was what was my oyster and that I was everything in the world was going to bow before me so I learned to adjust my expectation so that I don't get stressed out because I'm like all the stress is in me I don't you know it's not going anywhere I'm thinking about it is it manifesting in my stomach is it manifesting in other parts of my body you have people who took out three mortgages on their home to send each child to college y'all And now the kids are out. They can't work enough to help the parents pay back the mortgage. Approaching retirement and you have nothing left because you used it to send your kids to college. And now you have nothing and you're worried about getting sick. And you're worried about what you're going to do. This is real life. You have people who you have to adjust your expectations because you went to college. You went and got the master's degree. 90 seconds. And now you realize, oh my God, it's not happening. I got to go, y'all. So I'm saying to all of us, it's going to work for your good, just like it worked for my good. I had to adjust my expectations. I had to change my mind, change my expectations, change the way I look at stuff, change me so that I could survive. I didn't care what others thought about me, 60 seconds. what they believed that I did. It didn't matter. All I did was just believe. So tonight, go read Romans 8, 28. God bless you. And may heaven smile upon you. Be blessed, everybody. Thanks so much. Thank you.